Hey there, I'm Sophie Dalton, life and business coach and head soulful warrior on a mission to help ambitious souls like yourself live a life more connected to their truth. In today's world, it's easy to to see so many people suffering from frustration, dissatisfaction, addiction, anxiety, depression, plateaued success, and just generally feeling out of place in their lives. It's my mission to show that these are all symptoms leading back to one cause, the degree to which people are living their truth. In this podcast, we go deep with industry experts, millionaires, wellness warriors, and my own personal stories to mine the truths that help us all live a powerfully soulful life. I hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to give us a review, share it with your best friends, workplace or clients so that we can all heal together and remember who we are. So much love to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Laura Golden, welcome to the Soulful Warrior Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here because you are absolutely a soulful warrior. But before we get started, can you tell us what is your brand, The Free Mama? Yes. So The Free Mama Movement actually started with a mission, which is something that I love because I think a lot of times people have a business idea um, and then they go back to best practices and they come up with a mission statement or, you know, vision statement and all of these things. But mine actually started as a mission and and it was a mission that first was internal. It was something I had to do and prove for for myself, which was this belief system that we can have it all. That as mothers, we don't have to choose between our family and being the ones to provide for our children and being the ones to provide for them financially. And so our, our mission, so to say, at The Free Mama is to make sure that no mother has to choose between family and financial stability. Uh, and the way that we do that is that we teach moms how to start and run successful freelancing businesses from home so that they can live a totally awesome and guilt-free life. Uh, and like I mentioned, it started you know, with my own journey, which I, you tell me how far back you want to go, Sophie. Like We can go into childhood stuff. We can go to oh. like- Oh, I'm down to go deep. I mean, really? Yes, please go there. Like what was the the motivation that that made you want to pursue this freedom? Totally. So for me, I grew up with an entrepreneur dad and a stay-at-home mom and they were high school sweethearts. I mean, it was super like just Hallmark movie, you know. Oh, it was gross, but they're awesome people. We love them. Um, but that, that's what I grew up with. And so both of my parents were always very available to me. That's what parenting looked like. My dad, even though he worked super hard and he worked a lot, he never missed a dance recital. He never missed a soccer game. He was there when it mattered because as a business owner, he was able to control his own schedule. Um, and obviously my mother as a stay-at-home mom was incredibly present in my life. She was active at my school. She volunteered a lot. And our community. And so these were the examples that I had growing up and flash forward, you know, 20 years. And my husband and I, it took us a year to get pregnant with uh, our oldest, who's now seven, uh, which is insane because I don't look old enough to have a seven-year-old, right? But uh, she, that, so that was, that was like nine years ago now. And, and we're going through this process and, and we finally found out we were pregnant with her and where we were at in our lives, you know, in 2012 was not, you know, what my childhood looked like. There was no financial possibility that I would stay home. Uh, we had a home, we had a mortgage and we were very well aware of how much money both of us were making. And it was funny to me now looking back, you know, so many years is that my husband and I never even had a conversation about it. We didn't even talk about what it would look like for me to stay home because we both knew what was happening 
in our bank account. And so, but this was this vision of motherhood for me, right? This is what I had aspired to since I was little. It's what I thought it meant being a good mom meant. And it wasn't until I became a mom and actually went back from my unpaid maternity leave uh, that I had this aha moment in my chair, in my, my office at work, where I realized that I actually love working. I love producing. I love being creative. I love earning money. I'll just say it like I like it. Um, and I like being challenged in a different way than being a mother challenges me. And so that was kind of my first aha moment that really was the beginning of what would become the free mama movement. And it was actually after my son was born. So that was two years later that I had my second epiphany. And that was that the nine to five, as much as I loved working was the exact same thing that was preventing me from showing up as the mom that I wanted to be. It wasn't working. That was the problem. It was working for someone else and being, you know, where, you know, where I had to be when they said I had to be there working on the projects they said I had to work on. And that's where I really started to see a lot of conflict in my life. Like there was resentment in my marriage. I was unhappy. I was tired. I felt like everybody, both my employer and my kids were getting my leftovers. Um, and it, it wasn't what I wanted my life to look like. And so that was kind of my you know, on my way down point where, uh, the free mama, the, the, the yearning for it originated was, was mm -hmm. kind of in that moment. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that so much. And, and I love that you've shared in your content, um, what happens when women are working for someone else's dream and the resentment or you haven't explicitly, I haven't read something that you've explicitly written about the resentment that comes from that, but that's, that is 100% what led to what led to my journey. But in that moment, when you're feeling resentful of, uh, of just the facts of your life, it almost feels like, it feels like you can't really talk about it because you should be grateful. And there's like this trap of, of knowing that you're lucky for what you do have. And so I think that takes an, an insane amount of bravery to be honest about where you're uncomfortable and to start working towards that. So what was that like for you? Well, uh, for me, it was like a smack in the face. I'll be honest. I, I tried a lot of different things. I tried blogging. I tried network marketing. I tried, you know, like a lot of women and a lot of mothers, you know, we see these quote unquote opportunities all over the place where we're hearing about these great success stories and they are great success stories. They shouldn't be diminished. Um, but when you look at statistics, not everybody is going to make a million dollars in an MLM. And I unfortunately was not one of those people either. And so I really started looking at, you know, how can I do this on my own? where I'm not depending on other people, you know, I'm not waiting for commissions because I'm great at building relationships, not so solid at sales. I'll be honest, you know, we got to know our strengths and weaknesses. And I came across a uh, program that talked about how to start a social media agency. And what's so funny, again, when I look back, isn't hindsight 2020, when I look back, I'm like, it's so funny because I, I never was look, I wasn't looking for how do I start this million dollar business. That's not where I started. I started with how can I make enough money to stay at home with my babies? 
that was what I wanted. That's where I was at that point in my life. And what I did learn from this, this program about building a social media agency was about the world of freelancing and that you can provide a service, oftentimes something that you have either done at a job you've had or is close enough to something that, that you have experience with at some point in your life and you can be compensated for it. And that was this huge like light bulb moment for me. And the more I dug into it, the more that I realized that I could actually make more money freelancing for other businesses doing similar tasks to what I was already doing at my nine to five. And I would have the ability to decide who I worked with, how much I charged, what time of day I was putting in my work. Uh, and, and it was going to give me a lot of control. And I feel like that's where so many people end up, like you said, where they should feel grateful, but maybe they're really not happy or they're not very content. And I think a lot of times it comes from a lack of control. We all want to feel like we have control over our lives and over the decisions that we make on a daily basis. And freelancing for me was that solution. But I'm going to um, be honest with you. I'm not a natural risk taker. I don't know if you've ever, like, I don't know what type of person you are. We always say my husband's the dreamer and I'm like the doer. And so he's up in the clouds and I'm down on the sky and we kind of like reach to each other to like, so he inspires me to be a little more, you know, creative and, and I inspire him to like take a little more action. Um, so I like to play things safe. Like I love my comfort zone. It is a nice warm little bubble. Uh, but what I realized is that our comfort zone doesn't typically get us where we want to be. Now for me to answer your question, how that first showed up is that when I discovered the world of freelancing, I was still at my nine to five, but I started slowly bringing in a couple hundred, then a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, and I made a plan because as type A people, we like plans. So I made this plan how I was going to quit my job like a year later, because doesn't a year sound like a really safe amount of time? So that was my plan. Then we found out we were pregnant um, with our third. Unexpected, not unwelcome, but very unexpected. And so my plan <laughs> evolved. I said, well, I'm just not going to go back to work after the baby's born. Like I'll take this maternity leave and then I'll like do this total cop out thing where I just pick up the phone and I'm like, Hey, I'm not coming back. That literally became my new plan. Um, but at 12 weeks, we actually uh, went in for an appointment and found out that we had lost that baby. So all of a sudden this new plan that I had created and this new life that I was envisioning with this control and this freedom, um, it, it kind of felt like it had been taken away from me. And um, this was probably the lowest point in my life, um, where I was not happy. I was trying to do something about it, but I was really scared. And now that I've worked with thousands of moms, it is scary. It's super scary to raise your hand and say, I want to make my life look different and I choose to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And my miscarriage for me was that slap in the face. It was that wake up call of what are you going to do? Like, you know, you've been planning, you've been trying, but you've been comfortable. What are you going to do? And I walked in and I quit my job one week later. And that mm -hmm. really was like the beginning of the rest of my life. Um, I started a blog called the free mama. Um, and it wasn't until about a year and a half later where I re realized that the free mama wasn't about me at all. Um, it was the catalyst for something so much bigger where it was this, this gift that I could hopefully share with other women who felt the same way that I did about motherhood and working and just living your best life. Mm. 
Wow. And so what was, after you made that leap, what was the, I mean, you had this fire lit under your bum because all of a sudden you have to, you know, you, you put yourself in, in the furnace to create this new reality. But what was your internal journey like as you're, you're learning to really trust yourself to create it, like to make it reality? I am, I'm an action taker and I try to breed other action takers, not just through my kids, but in my community. And I think there's this huge misconception, especially with, you know, the internet and social media where we see successful entrepreneurs and we figure that things are easier for them or that they must not be afraid of putting themselves out there or of doing a Facebook live or of starting a podcast or writing a book that either it comes naturally or, you know, it's just, it's, well, it's easy for them because they're not afraid. Look at how outgoing they are. And it's such a misconception because what I've learned over the last few years is that all you have to have is this willingness to do it anyway. And so that's what that fire had lit for me. I was terrified. Uh, I walked away from our only uh, payroll job. My husband is also very entrepreneurial. We had taken out a six figure business loan to acquire a company that he was working on and he wasn't even paying himself. So I was literally at the time that this happened, like, our sole source of income on a, on a regular basis. I was our family's benefits. So all of a sudden we had to pay into private insurance. It's not like there wasn't some, you know, crazy risk involved because there was a lot of risk, but it did exactly what you just said. It was that, you know, get thrown in the furnace. I always say you got to light a fire, right? You want to take action, get yourself super uncomfortable. And I think as a mother, I felt, yes, I felt scared. Yes, I was going to do it anyway and, and put myself out there in ways that were going to help connect me with clients who would bring in the money to provide for my family. But, but I also think there was this sense of like mama bear, right? Like I was a parent. I, I, I made what I would say, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't know that I mean this negatively, although you asked how I felt. And I, I would say at the time I felt that it was negative. I made a selfish decision. I made a decision that may or may not have been what was best for my family on the surface, but I really believe that that moms are kind of the glue of the family and therefore the community. And if you really want to get me on my soapbox, the world, but mm -hmm. seriously, so if a mother is super unhappy on a daily basis because of her lifestyle, I think we're fooling ourselves as people to think that that doesn't trickle down to our children. So it felt selfish on the surface because I was taking away, you know, this good paying job and these benefits. And by the way, I was working at a school. So not only did it affect me, but it affected my oldest daughter who, who was going to preschool you know, at this private Montessori for free, essentially, um, who now was not going to school there. So there was a lot of, um, I don't know that I felt... Well, we'll just call it guilt. Mm -hmm. I think there was guilt involved as well because I was afraid on the surface that I was making a selfish decision. But every time I stood stood back, I knew that if I was happier and as long as I could, you know, keep food on the table, um, that in the long run my family would be better off. And and you know, again, that hindsight, it it was so true. I cannot imagine the kind of person that I would be uh, if I would have stayed with the status quo. I just, I, I think I was on a downward spiral of being really, really unhappy. And I know that that, that would not have been what was best for my children. Wow. I appreciate that so much because that's, that's actually 
you know, I'm attacking the same problem from a different angle. And it's really my mission. It will be my whole life, no matter what form it takes to give women the space to really ask themselves what they want. And to, because, because as givers, as caretakers, it's so natural to put other people's needs ahead of our own. But like you're saying with, with your family, it, in the moment when you start to act for yourself, it feels very selfish. There's a lot of guilt. Even if you don't have kids yet, there's a lot of guilt about it because maybe you're going against your parents' expectations or you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you, you're just wanting something more, but that in the end, that selfishness and really acting for yourself is the biggest gift that you can give to your loved ones. I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, we're talking on this grand level called like, turning in your two weeks notice, but this is something that affects us, especially as, as women or as mothers on a daily basis. We just don't take care of ourselves. We can't justify 30 minutes to go to the gym because we'd have to take our kids to the childcare. And I just, and, and, and I'll be honest, I don't live my life that way anymore, but I remember the time in my life when I felt that way. And I coached so many women who say, you know, I just, I don't have time to go do this thing for myself or, you know, I, I feel guilty if I spend the money getting a pedicure when I could buy my kid a toy. And I'm like, your kid's going to play with that toy for two minutes and then forget about it. And it's going to be in a closet. Go treat yourself. Like, I think we don't spend enough time talking about if you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not your best self, mind, body, spirit, like physically taking care of yourself, you are no good to anybody else. You're not good mm-hmm. because gonna run out you might be doing okay today but a week from now a year from now it's gonna catch up to you Mm. and so you have to like I always say you need to be proactive with self-care you can't wait until you're crying with the pint of ice cream watching Grey's Anatomy because you're so upset before you do something about it you have to like it's it should be a consistent thing just like drinking water you should consistently work in this time for yourself. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, it is not lost on me that this is a newer revelation for me. I don't want to make it sound like I've had this figured out for my whole life. This really has been, I would say a major priority over the last year. So I, I worked really hard kind of building up my business on the front end. And it was, it was a lot of sacrifice and hard work. And as soon as things kind of, you know, got to a point where, um, I could look up, it became my number one priority it was not my kids, was not even my husband. It was how do I take care of myself so that I can continue to show up for my kids and my husband and now my business and my community. Yes, I love this. And, and I love bringing this, just like you said, we were starting very zoomed out um, from like a life decisions level, but but then to see the examples of how you're doing this in your day-to-day experience and and just to really um, give an extreme example. I realized that I have to create far more fun in my day than I was having because I was so focused, so serious on building my business, mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't, I wasn't laughing as much as I used to during my day. And so sure, maybe I would get more, maybe I would squeeze out an extra one or two hours of productivity during the day, but then I would crash after two weeks of doing it and, and it would result in like two days of just me and Netflix. Yeah. And so it's actually, um, it's actually longer term, more efficient. If I'm having more fun, if I'm enjoying myself, my body, my life, my connections, it's more efficient for myself, my bank account and my business than if I were just grinding. 
I, I completely agree with you. I relate and, and I can even feel it coming now. And I'm sure you probably can too. And this week, I'll be honest, like this week is a great example of me not doing enough to, to take care of myself. And I did it with intention. So I've been building out my second program. It's a lot of work for any of my course creators out there in the world. Like it's a lot of work to record that many videos and, and, and create that level of content. Um, but I did it this week. And, and even today, our time of recording, it's a Friday today and I am tired. Like I will be honest because I worked super hard, but I did it going, you know what? I'm shutting my computer all day, Saturday, Sunday, and even most of Monday. Um, and, and I'm going to recharge. And mm -hmm. so sometimes, yes, sometimes it's the little things every day. And other times it's just like, it, I, I think it's a matter of intention. I think that's the word that keeps popping up in my mind is like, are you living intentionally? Are you taking care of yourself intentionally? Like I've pushed through a lot this week with the intention that I'm going to reset for three days. I'm going to give my, my family three days of time. I'm going to give my body three days of time and just really paying attention. And, and so um, it sounds weird that time management and calendar management would be a topic with self-care, but I think it's critical that you're paying attention to kind of, you know, like you said, your, your, what makes you tick longer. And for you, it's that laughter. For me, it's that physical stuff. Like I, I'm a former dancer and I should say current dancer because I dance all the time, but like, I love to go to a dance class at my gym. Like it's important to me. And so it goes on my calendar. I see mm -hmm. so many people struggle with, well, I don't have the time or how could I do this? Well, you make the time. You mm -hmm. literally put it on your calendar and it's an appointment with yourself. Just like you wouldn't not show up for a client or not show up for your child. You should be that important to yourself where you, if you make a date with yourself, you're going to show up and you're going to honor it and do that thing. I love it. One of the tests that I run myself through, my clients through, is looking at your goals and then comparing that to where you spend your time. And if where, where you spend your time, like what fraction of time spent is actually moving you towards your goals and what fraction is moving you away. So like if you have a health goal and you're constantly, you know, looking in the mirror, judging your body, being frustrated about your genes or whatever, and even, even, um, hiding yourself, like not going to the beach, doing all these things that, that we do as women to like trap ourselves when we don't feel good enough. How much, how much of that time could be spent going on a walk, having a good conversation with a friend, um, you know, like, like being, proactive and not not grinding and sweating and going to all the intense crossfit classes but but do you see like like spending your time in a way that matches who you want to be because because where you invest yourself demonstrates your priorities i completely agree and uh you know it's one of those things where we don't ever fully master this it's not like it just get it's easier for me today than it was you know three years ago but i still constantly have to live in checking myself. You know, I love like, like my epiphany seven years ago, I love working. And now that I work for myself and I've created this business around my mission, it never feels like work. And I know that's so cliche and people probably really roll their eyes at entrepreneurs that say that, but it's very true. I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm working because I love what I do so much. So I have to be very mindful that I can, I can, I can be out of whack like you're talking about. If I say I prioritize my family, 
but I'm spending, you know, nine hours a day working long term, that's, that's a problem because my priorities are out of whack. And for me, I'm out of integrity with my business, right? If I'm teaching people that they can make money working less, but I'm working all the time, that's, that's a message that's out of integrity. And yet for me, if I'm honest, I could very easily do it because I love what I do so much. And so it's, it's about having that self-awareness and then taking, taking steps towards constantly improving to be in alignment with what you want. Yes, I love this. And, and this was going to be my next question for you was that because you have this identity of being a doer, but you also talk and teach about earning more by doing less. Mm-hmm. How did you, what, like, tell us about that, that shift within yourself and, and what that took for you to actually embody that. Yeah, well, I'm totally a doer, but what that means to me is that I am a little bit of a productivity junkie. Like, so I'm very efficient with my time. So I can get done. Like if you looked at my calendar, even though I only time block most of my days from, you know, like 9am to 2pm and then I'm done, uh, you know, which, and, and typically I don't work on Fridays, although for some reason this summer has been a crazy it's just been crazy launching my second program. But um, typically, like even during the school year when my kids are in school, I work nine to two, four days a week. That's a schedule most people would dream to have. And the reason that I'm able to do that is because I don't procrastinate, because I utilize software and systems and productivity tools that allow me to maximize the time that I'm investing in work, either for my business or, you know, as when I was a full-time freelancer or part-time freelancer, really, I was able to maximize the time that I was putting in. And uh, having coached a lot of women, what I see is so many people, they can fill their day. They can be busy or feel busy, but if you're not doing the tasks that are shifting the needle forward, either for yourself or for your clients, then you're really not being productive. So you can do, but you need to do productively and do efficiently uh, in order to really embody that kind of doer that I'm, I'm speaking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and the, the test that that I do for myself is, is I normally can identify those most effective action steps by asking myself what I'm most afraid of, like that person that totally. I'm afraid to call a check. So what, what is yours? Yeah. So I actually teach something called the daily five. Um, and I don't know if you do downloads, we should have talked about that, but I have a free download. So if people want it, they can go check it out, but it's called the daily five and I love it. And I've actually created a planner around it. And the idea is that you need no more than five things to do on any given day. And in fact, with the daily five, the point isn't even to do them all. So, uh, if we've got time, I can tell you how it works, but basically you just, you, you would, um, prioritize your five things. I recommend doing it the night before because a lot of times we sit down to work and I see so many people, you know, they're checking their calendar, they open up Facebook, they get distracted for an hour and all of a sudden it's 11 a.m. and you're like, I haven't actually done anything today. So I think it's really powerful to know what you're going to work on before the day even begins. So I recommend doing your daily five the night before. I recommend using it with Google Calendar and much like you, you're going to list those five things that you prioritize, uh, based on, like I said, shifting the needle forward. So whatever your goal is, what are those five activities or goals, plural, what are those five activities that are going to be the most meaningful towards accomplishing that goal? Not the busy work, not the fluff, not the, I'm going to check my email. And like you said, Sophie, a lot of times it's the stuff we're scared of. So if there's some client that you've been wanting to go after, 
cold contacting them might be the first thing on your list, right? Like make a special video, send them an email, whatever. But that's the type of stuff that we put off. Uh, in my particular community, I mean, I've seen people rebrand 18 times. I'm like, what are we rebranding for? You haven't put yourself out there. Nobody even knows you're open for business. Quit hiding behind your website, right? So we got to do those things that have to actually shift the business forward. And then the idea uh, to kind of bring the strategy full play is that you don't actually get to work on things two through five until you've accomplished number one. So it does take some self-discipline, but the idea behind it is that you are going to do those hard things because you're not going to fill your day and all of a sudden, oh, I'm out of, out of time for the day. I got to go pick up my kids from school. And you haven't actually done that one thing or those two things that were most significant towards having an impact on your business. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And so I want to, I, I want to bring all this, this mindset stuff and in, 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 in your journey behind the scenes into present day. So as you are continuing to grow your business and, and shoot for the stars and do all the things, what is your mindset journey like behind the scenes? Like what, when challenges come up, how do you talk yourself down from the inevitable fear? And yeah, what's your process around that? Oh my gosh. I have so many things I want to share right now. We probably don't even have enough time, but first I want to back up because because you, uh, you said something that's so interesting and we hear a lot, um, but it is actually not reflective of me at all. And so I want to clear that up because I think so many people can look again at these kind of these online entrepreneurs or public figures and we assume, you know, that like you, you use the phrase, do all the things is kind of what I want to touch on. I hardly do all the things. Hardly. So I actually have a team of eight fabulous people behind me who make me look really good, way better than I am. Um, and it's important to say, because I think especially as women, we do have this extra responsibility. You know, they talk about the mental weight that moms carry, uh, you know, even just stuff remembering like to plan your kid's birthday party or to get the gift for the other kid's birthday party. Like the mental weight we carry as moms is insane. And so it has to be said that I don't do all the things, not even close. So now that we have that all out of the way that I don't do all of the things, um, the process that I go through, um, there's a couple things. I want to be really tactical and practical so that it's hopefully something that can serve other people. Uh, the first thing that I do is that I invest in mentors. So right now in particular, I actually have three business masterminds that I'm a part of where I have access to coaches. Oh, oh yeah. You out for one second, but so you're, you said that you're a part of three mastermind where you have access to amazing coaches. Yes. Okay, good. I just want to make sure you can hear me. I was getting some feedback. Um, yeah. So I am actually at this particular time, I'm in three different masterminds. I, that might seem insane because um, obviously all of those require investments, right? But I invest in surrounding myself with other people who are both at my level of business, but also in coaches and mentors who are ahead of me. And I think it's super, super important to do no matter where you're at, if you are a business owner and, and honestly, you can even do this on a personal level through counseling or relationship or life coaches. I think it's super important to know that you do not have to go through this life alone. <laughs> like you might have an amazing partner. You might have amazing family and friends, but I don't, I would argue that nothing is going to replace the support and accountability that you can get from someone who's walking a similar journey as you, especially if there are a few steps ahead. So that has been 
um, really critical to, to me uh, and mostly just knowing that I'm not alone and then also receiving validation, whether it's validation of something I'm doing right or validation of like something really scary that I'm feeling if I'm, you know, feeling nervous or fearful. Like at this exact moment, uh, I actually had a call earlier today with a peer from one of my masterminds um, because I'm planning my first three-day event this fall. Super excited about it, but also totally petrified. Why? I've never done it before. And so I had this call with this, this guy who's an expert in live events. And I honestly didn't even get that much advice because I'm already doing what he teaches, but what I did get was validation that I'm on the right track, that I'm that I'm doing well, that I'm where I'm supposed to be, and sometimes just that encouragement alone can is enough to stop kind of the mindset chatter of like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing, like I'm a fraud, like all of these imposter syndrome, like all of these things that our voices can tell ourselves. So I think the people you surround yourself with is, is absolutely critical. So that's one thing that, that I am very proactive with uh, that kind of helps keep me grounded and rooted in where I'm going. Um, the other thing that I will share with you, and, and uh, I don't know if you will be able to relate to this or not, but we've already said that I'm super type A and I'm like an insane action taker, which seems really great except that sometimes I move so fast that I don't actually take the time to pause and make sure that the actions I'm doing are in alignment with not only what I want for my life, but what I want for my business. So again, I'm, I, hopefully that makes sense, but basically I have to um, take the time to be quiet which you can probably tell from talking to me is not my strong suit. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a very outgoing person. I move very quickly. I speak very quickly. Um, and so being mindful and having that self-awareness that I need to sometimes pump the brakes, mostly just so that I can hear myself. And hopefully that doesn't sound weird, but I'm a big, like trust your gut kind of person, but sometimes we can get so busy in action, uh, that we can't actually hear ourselves. And so I, that is something that I am, I am presently really, really working on is making sure that I can hear what I want and, and the direction that, that kind of my gut is, is steering me in. No, I'm so appreciative that you said that because that's actually the exact problem that I work on with my one-on-one -on -one coaching is women that are incredibly ambitious and uh, that have, but that have created a business that doesn't make them feel healthy in, in their physical body, in their social life, in their minds, like everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside, it still feels frantic or, or frustrating, or it's hard for them to motivate themselves. And so what what's critical is cultivating that practice of listening to yourself and if it's you know some, for some people that's hiring a coach for other people that's it, it, it doesn't matter where you get that space but that you have it at all is absolutely essential to living a fulfilled life but I have one more question um, before I ask you where we can all follow you and that's that for the person that's listening to you and taking notes like okay I should okay, um, we're insane to invest in myself, but I don't really feel worthy of that. Or like, that's cool, Lauren, because you're making a bunch of money, but like, I'm not, that's not for me yet. What would you say to that person? Oh, big hug. Okay, here we go. So I don't ever like to tell people what to do with their money because it doesn't feel good to me. So what I do instead is I talk about my experience with money. 
So over the last three years, I've had a massive transformation from a broke mindset uh, to one of wealth and abundance. And what's fascinating is that as I've made that mental transition, my bank account has actually followed in a really similar way. And uh, it's very powerful to say that it actually begins with the mindset. It does not begin with the money. And so my, here's my experience. Um, five-ish, five, six years ago, um, that social media agency course I told you about, I put that on a credit card. I didn't even tell my husband. I'm not proud of this. I'm just being honest with you. I was too afraid to ask him because I thought he would say no. And I wanted it, but we didn't have the money. So I put it on a credit card, but we've already talked about lighting a fire. Guess what? Putting secret thousand dollar transactions on your credit card will force you to do find $1,000 so that you can pay it off before your husband finds out. So I worked very, very hard. I paid off that course very quickly and then some, um, and I think having heard my story, we can agree that it was, it was a worthy investment. Um, fast forward a couple years, two years ago, I had the opportunity to work with that very course creator one-on-one um, -on -one and as a business coach. And she was going to help me launch the free mama movement and in, in my online program. And it was uh, quite literally the scariest decision I've ever made in my entire life uh, to the tune of like one semester at a private university. Like I, it was a big investment. It was very scary. And again, I did not have the money at all. I barely was able to scrape together the money for a deposit to be on a specially requested payment plan. It was terrifying. Um, and it all went on a credit card. And actually, if I'm being super honest, it went on two because we didn't even have the balance on one to be able to afford it. So again, I am never telling anybody how to spend your money. I am not saying that I think that people should use credit if they don't have a plan for paying it off. I think we should live within our means. With that being said, that was the level of determination and belief in myself that I held when I chose to invest in myself. So I think it is a personal decision, but the one thing I would ask you to really think about uh, when weighing whether or not an opportunity is, is um, worth investing in, I would think about a few things. First of all, I would think, what are your goals? And do you believe that this investment will get you closer to that goal? Because we can all get distracted by shiny object syndrome. Um, number two is the person or program that you were thinking about in, or event or whatever is the thing you're thinking about investing in. Has the person in charge of it or the person leading it, have they already accomplished that goal? Because to me, that's something that's very important. I want to make sure that I'm following someone who will understand what I'm walking through. Um, and then the third thing that I would think about, and this was kind of a rhetorical question, is if you don't have the money now to invest in the thing, and the thing you're investing in is promising you that money, assuming this is a business thing, what makes you think that not, like if the money's not there now, what are you going to do differently that's going to make it there next time? Because a lot of times, especially with the women that I'm working with who are thinking about getting into self-employment as a freelancer, um, you know, they'll say things like, well, when I have the money and I'm kind of like, well, what are you going to, if you're not going to do something differently now, 
money doesn't grow on trees. I wish it did. That would be amazing. But you know what I mean? And so it's kind of this chicken or the egg. Well, which came first, the investment or the, the money, you know? And so sometimes we have to get creative. Um, I've had women in my community sell clothes or old furniture or stuff out of their garage. I've had people ask family to borrow money as an investment. Um, and so again, I, I, I think it's a really personal decision, what we choose to invest in and what we think is um, you know, worth investing in. But I do ask the listener who's hesitant or who feels really nervous spending beyond their means, are you doing everything possible to make things happen for yourself? Because doing more of the same is not going to help you reach your goals. And I think that's, that's kind of the look in the mirror we got to give ourselves sometimes. Mm, I love that so much. And, and putting myself in similarly terrifying investment positions is the same to me as demonstrating with my time and the same, it's the same with my bank account where, what I actually value. So yep. if I'm, if I'm constantly procrastinating, investing in myself, then am I communicating with my money that I don't believe that I'm worth it or that I can, mm-hmm. but But Lauren, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story, for your bravery, for your commitment to yourself and for sharing your message so that more, more moms can not only be free, but cultivate this, this question of, of what, what do I actually want and how do I get there? And so not only teaching that in strategy, but also the way of being to be that person, you're changing lives and families. And I'm really grateful for it. Thank you so much for having me, Sophie. This was an awesome interview. I had a great time. And uh, I just, I love what you're doing and and really challenging, like you said, kind of the belief system that we hold for ourselves and pushing the bounds of of what we think we're capable of. I think it's, um, it can't be, you know, spoken about enough because, you know, we only have this one life, this one chance to, to do and be our best. And I just think it's a really powerful gift and I intend to use it well. And I can tell that you are too so so true so Lauren where do you I'll put all your links in the show notes but where can people follow you and find your your next big um, launch I'm all over the place because like I said I don't do it myself but the best place to connect with me is inside of our Facebook group Uh, so if you go to Facebook and you search for the free mama movement that is where I spend most of my time but you can also find us on Instagram uh, thefreemamamovement.com and we have free mama tv over on YouTube as well Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the podcast. It's, it was, it was fuel for my soul to connect with you and hear your story. And I can't wait till next time we talk. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Hey, what'd you think of that interview with Lauren? Isn't she amazing? Her energy and her earnestness and her message just radiates out from this interview. And I hope you found it insanely inspiring, just like I did assuming that you did, hoping that you did, go give this episode a five-star rating in your Apple podcast app and reach out to me. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what your takeaways were. I'm really excited to hear from you. I want to know what's happening in your behind the scenes journey. So you can email me at sophie at soulfulexcellence.com. You can reach out to me on Facebook at Sophie Dalton, on Instagram, the Soulful Warrior Podcast. Anywhere you can reach me, Sophie Dalton, search me on anything. And I would love to hear what are some of the hurdles that you've been going through? Where are you feeling stuck? What actions are you taking to get out of that stuckness? I want to know. I want to cheer you on and I want to see you accomplish your goals so that your reality becomes greater than your wildest expectations. All right, signing out. Hope you have a great day. Love you. Bye.